0: Hi. What's what have you been, been up to? <laughs> what have you been up to today? <laughs> um.
1: Well, I I got a friend sitting right here with me. Um. She is a blonde and a brunette, and her name is Roxy, and oh. uh, she's a little Shih Tzu um Chihuahua mix, and I'm fostering her. So her owner is between houses right now and kind of living out of his car. <laughs> so, um it's not a good place for his puppy so anyhow i took her in and my dogs are going crazy so if you hear scratching on the door that's them trying to see what's going on so <laughs> jealous they're so jealous but she's sweet so she's oh, going to be doing she? this she's going to be doing this podcast with us so awesome you-
0: awesome Hi, <laughs> <Yeah>, roxy <laughs> <Ooh. She's cute. laughs> yeah yeah well about- today's pre- today's president's day
1: yes were you off today
0: Yes, yeah. I was.
1: Me too. Me too. Also. Awesome. Oh, you were. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and also, I mean this isn't this month isn't another special month that I just realized. Um take a guess what it is.
1: Um special month is Black History Month. It's um I don't know what else is it.
0: Well, obviously we just had Valentine's, right?
1: right yesterday Mm -hmm.
0: but that's not what i'm talking about okay i'll let you in i will tell you so it was one year ago this month that i launched the pod project was
1: it oh happy anniversary
0: happy anniversary (laughs) and i know you didn't start out with us Mm -hmm. um but it's been a year and i it's just like i can't believe it like it's just it went so fast
1: right i remember getting an invite you know to, to take a look at it and i was like oh how cool. So fun stuff. Olivia's always trying something new and <laughs> you know out there it's exciting. I it's funny. I talked to a lot of people and they're just like what is it that you don't do? I go no that's a question we ask Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> so i just i just kind of come along but it's it's been fun.
0: Oh yeah, it has been. Okay, so you know what we're talking about tonight, right?
1: Yes. And you know what's really funny is um uh, you know, I I kind of watched a show about it today just to kind of, you know, kind of familiarize myself with it because I didn't know details other than what I had seen, you know, from, you know, these popular TV shows. But anyhow, I'll go ahead and let you get started.
0: Okay. So today we're going to be talking about the Cecil Hotel. So um, there was a Netflix documentary that just came out. Is that the one you watched?
1: Yes. the was the one about the, the crime scene, right?
0: Yeah. 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 That one. So yeah. we're going to be talking. So I watched it too. So there's a crime scene, uh, vanishing at the Cecil hotel. That is, um, about the disappearance of a girl named Elisa Lamb. So we're not going to be talking too much about that. We're going to be talking about the, like just the Cecil hotel in general, but we will be talking a little bit about the Elisa Lamb case.
1: Right. They're, they've, so, I, they've had a lot of stuff go on there. I think that one was probably most, more, it was more recent. And, you know, as far as they've had like a lot of stuff going on, as far as like death and just craziness, you know?
0: Right. Right. So I'm going to tell you a little history about the hotel. Um, the Cecil Hotel is a hotel in downtown Los Angeles and it was built in the 20s. And it opened on December 24th, 1924. So when it opened, it had 700 rooms and it cost $2 for a room. And that even lasted into the eighties. And I think the most I saw it was like in the eighties was like 15 bucks for a room. Like that just seems so low.
1: Right. Right. I don't think it was meant to be like anything, um, Like fancy to stay was more of like a traveler's, you know, affordable room and, you know, tourism, you know, to people for people to save money and just kind of wash and, you know, you know, sleep there. And that's it.
0: Right. But have you ever been to the Cecil Hotel?
1: No, but I've been by. So I've been by many times.
0: Yeah. So I've been there. And like, I know when you go into the like lobby area, the lobby Mm -hmm. area is beautiful. Like, it's just grand and elegant so you would think by walking in this lobby that oh my gosh it's gonna be like high high end you know and stuff and then you see the rooms and you're like hmm you know not what you expected
1: (laughs) kind of like motel six you know
0: (laughs) Yes. yeah yes okay so when it was built it cost two million dollars to build it
1: which is like 14 million dollars today
0: it's got to be, I don't know how much that is, but yeah, yeah like yeah. a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's about 13, 14 million today. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: it was glamorous. It was elegant. At least the the lobby part of it was, um, let's see. So, um, so during the great depression, um, it was at its peak, but then like, A little bit after that, it started like going downhill because all of the downtown area started going downhill. So,
1: right, people were leaving. I know.
0: Yeah, and so downtown, like all the restaurants and the all the hotels, and it just turned into like kind of like the pits of despair. You know what I mean? Right, (laughs) the ghetto. Right. Yeah. Um, now for those of you that don't know, like downtown LA is very sketchy. It's dangerous. And it's also known as Skid Row. Okay. So Skid Row consists of 56 blocks and there's 8,000 to 10,000 homeless people that live on the streets downtown.
1: Yeah. It's sad. You know, that's
0: crazy. That's like so many.
1: Yeah. But they're right there. Cause it's where the hub of, you know, most of the shelters and everybody right, right there, they can at least get a shower and some food. Um, but it's just that cause it's a super dangerous, you know, job. And I was thinking, you know, I've, I've had some friends that were on LAPD. Imagine getting that beat, you know, getting that mm-hmm. skid row today. No, no, thanks. I'm good.
0: I think if you're a cop down there, downtown, you'd be very busy. I, mm-hmm. I feel like that whole area is just probably swarming with like activity. Drugs.
1: Yeah. Drugs, drugs, drugs.
0: So I had an experience um, down on Skid Row, and I'll tell you about that. So when I was traveling with Trent, um, we got a load going from, I don't remember where it is. It was back east to L.A. So it was a pretty good run. And um, I noticed before we left that um, we were going downtown. So I was a little concerned at that point, and I didn't really say much to him about it. Um, and then we pulled up and the only place that we could park. So we were told to park in a certain location. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it was near our drop. So we had to, we had to park, you know, in the area they told us to. And as we pulled up, I'm noticing all these tents, you know, like it was right in the middle of Skid Row, like all these homeless people. And we had to spend the night there. (laughs) So glory. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just really a little concerned because I know how sketchy it is down there. I know that um, there's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of mental illness. There's a lot of drugs that go through there. Mm -hmm. You never know if somebody crazy is going to like, you know, pound on your door or like break some windows. Right. What was it? Yeah. Concentrated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was my experience with Skid Row. I mean, I've seen it like driving through, but like that, I was like sleeping on the street, you know?
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. It was interesting, but okay. A little bit more about the Cecil. Okay. So once it started to go downhill, people, people weren't renting the rooms in at the Cecil. So the city knew that they needed to do something at that point. And so they decided to make it, um, residential. So they took the hotel and they said, okay, we'll rent it for really cheap. For just people that need to live, you know, so they were renting it to homeless people, they were renting it to like shady people, they were like all these people, okay, and it was so cheap that they didn't require any information really they also you could pay in cash you know you mm-hmm. could you can check in. I noticed a lot of people uh when I was doing my research were um checking under under aliases. nobody really cared back then, mhm, you know. So, if you wanted to, like, be hidden or stay hidden, you could pretty easily. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, um, we're going to talk about the history now. And we're going to start in numerical order from the beginning of what I could find to the end. And some of this is kind of crazy. So, just bear with me.
1: (laughs) It's like a kind of a cursed place.
0: And that's what I kind of want to talk about after a couple of these incidences, because I do believe there's something there. Okay, so timeline. Okay, so we're going to talk January 22nd, 1927. Okay, so this was pretty close to after it, it was opened, because it, it was built in the 1920s, the mid-1920s. So it maybe had been open for two or three years, back. Okay, so there was a man named Percy Ormond Cook. He was 52 years old. He shot himself in the head while well, inside his hotel room after failing to reconcile with his wife and his child. Although the Times, LA Times reported that he was rushed to the receiving hospital with a slim chance of survival, death records reveal that he died that same evening. So he committed suicide, basically. He died that evening. Okay. So that was the first known suicide on record at the Cecil Hotel. Okay, next. On November 19th, 1931, so we're talking a couple years after that, Manhattan Beach resident W.K. Norton, 46, was found dead in his room after ingesting poison capsules. A week prior, he checked into the Cecil under the name James Willis from Chicago. Okay, so we're at our second suicide. Yikes. Okay. September 1932. A maid found Benjamin Dodich 25 dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. And he didn't leave a suicide note. What is up with all the suicides?
1: I know. It's like, I don't know. It's bizarre. I mean, why there?
0: Yeah, like why? I don't know. I just don't understand it, you know? Right, right. Okay, next. In late July, 1934, former Army Medical Corps Sergeant Lewis D. Borden, 53, was found dead in his room at the Cecil. He had slashed his throat with a razor. Borden left several notes, one of which uh, cited poor health for the reason of his suicide.
1: Mm, I think they portrayed that story on American Horror Story.
0: Okay. So they probably did. So I haven't seen it, but I know that American horror story has done episodes on the Cecil.
1: Yeah. I watched, uh, that's my guilty pleasure is uh, American horror story. (laughs) It was pretty gruesome. They depicted a couple of these stories you're going to tell. And that's the only ones I had heard of before. Yeah. Um, You know, I had, I think I had remembered a couple, but I, of course, watching the show there, they kind of depicted it more. They weren't exact, but they were pretty close.
0: So, okay. So there's actually a lot of like shows that have been like portrayed stories on the Cecil I found, but we have a lot more to go, but do you think that there's something like there like, <laughs>
1: Well, I, you know, I I think so. I mean, and like you had talked earlier about, you know, we'll go back to Lisa Lamb. I'm sure, um, you know, there's obviously mental illness, depression when it comes to suicide. But I think that you know, because I'm I'm like a ghost person, obviously. Yeah. That I think that there's definitely a strong influence there that plays upon that. And you know, when people have audio, you know, or or whatever they're having whether it be audio or visual hallucinations they're real to that person right and, you know things people have seen things there and they've just bizarre behaviors and everything and you wonder you know who are they talking to what are they talking to are their minds playing trick or is there really something there and that they're just able to see that we're not so you wonder you know and of course um you know i'm a believer in ghosts so i think there's definitely a Kind of a darkness there, um, yeah, and, like a
0: bad juju.
1: Yeah, like a yeah, bad, just bad, like a uh, heavy spirits. You know, and of course, yeah. um, you know, I think if we were to probably watch some, you know, the ghost hunting things, um, it would have a little more. They've actually picked up quite a bit of things there.
0: Right. Okay. So moving on. So now we're at March nineteen thirty seven. There was a lady named Grace. Um, Margot, Margot, who fell from a ninth story window. Her fall was broken by by telephone wires, which were wrapped around her body. So later, she died at the um, now demolished Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Police were unable to determine whether Margot's death was a result of an accident or a suicide. But here's the thing about this one. So. On the Cecil Hotel, if you've seen it, there's windows, you know, um, from every room. But outside of the room is a is a uh, fire escape out of each of the rooms. Mm-hmm. So for me, I don't think she could have fallen over that fire escape. I think she probably jumped, right? Because yeah. how are you going to fall? Like it's it's waist high. You'd have to like crawl up up it, and then but there have been weirder things happen at the Cecil. So I guess it's possible.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you never know.
0: Okay. So here we are January, 1938. So we're only in the thirties and we've already talked about like all these suicides, you know? Right. Okay. January, 1938, United States Marine Corps fire fireman, Roy Thompson, 35 jumped from the Cecil's top floor and was found on the skylight of a neighboring building. He had been staying at the Cecil for several weeks. Yikes. Another suicide. And let me just tell people right now, if you're listening to this and you've ever thought of suicide, please don't do anything. Because hearing these stories, like, these are real people. You know what I mean? And, And did they not feel like they had anybody to talk to? Did they not? feel their worth. So I'm just putting that out there.
1: Right. Having a bad day, you know. Right. Tomorrow's another day. And get help. Mm -hmm. Definitely get help because something's not right inside your body and there is help.
0: Yep. Okay. So May 1939, Navy Officer Irwin C. Neblet, 39, was found dead in his room after ingesting poison. Hmm.
1: I'm going to take poison today.
0: Yeah, who, like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's not. A, well, usually men, they say men are more um, likely to ha- have horrific deaths and to take, you know, like, um, you know, if they're going to commit suicide, they're usually the ones that have usually the messy deaths versus a woman, you know, wants to stay pretty because they're usually more vain. <laughs> you know, they want to look, you know, kind of put together. But the man, when you take poisons, you're literally—it's like your insides are burning from the inside out.
0: Yeah, I watched this uh this show this week about this guy that was found guilty, and he went up and he took a cyanide pill, like in the courtroom when they found him guilty. He fell on the floor and he was dead a couple seconds or a couple minutes later.
1: Oh wow! Yeah, that's um yeah that is but something. We might
0: off. we might have to go over that case too. So that one's a really good one.
1: Oh wow! Okay.
0: Okay, January 1940, teacher Dorothy Sager, 45, here's another one ingested poison while staying at the Cecil. She was reported by the Los Angeles Times to be near death. No further reports are published about her condition. So I'm pretty sure she passed away. Right. Yeah.
1: Wow. Painful.
0: Okay, September 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell. 19 was sharing a room at the Cecil with her boyfriend shoe salesman Ben Levine 38 Purcell who had apparently been unaware that she was pregnant went into labor she later testified that she did not want to disrupt the sleeping Levine so she went to the bathroom where she gave birth to this baby boy thinking that the baby was dead she threw him out the window and he landed on the roof of an adjacent building Purcell was charged with murder. Three psychiatrists testified that she was mentally confused at the time of the incident. And in January 1945, she was found guilty or not guilty by reason of insanity.
1: Oh, yeah. That's the one I had heard about. Um, that, that is just crazy. That's nuts.
0: Yeah. Did they do a story uh, on that one? Yeah.
1: Know? I think I remember. That's where I, I, I'd seen it on TV. And it's just bits and pieces. And then, you know, I was like, because I, I was all about Roosevelt Hotel and all the scary stuff that was happening at the Roosevelt Hotel. Cecil Hotel, I hadn't heard as much other than that story. And I think the one, the other one that you're, that's coming up pretty soon.
0: I'm going to have to look at the Roosevelt. I I actually met David Spade at the Roosevelt Hotel once.
1: Yeah, that one's really, that's, it's different from the Cecil. So, but it is, there's a lot of, like, when I say cuckooie stories.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, November 1947, Robert Smith, 35, died after jumping from one of the Cecil's 7th floor windows. Wow. Now there's there's so many suicides. So I think when I was doing this research, I found 13 confirmed suicides. 13, that's so many.
1: Yeah, what's going on there? Something in the water? Who knows?
0: Oh, we're going to talk about the water in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. On October 27th or 22nd, 1954, San Francisco stationery firm employee, Helen Gurney, 55, jumped from the window of her seventh floor room and landed on top of the Cecil's marquee. One week prior, she had registered at the hotel under the name Margaret Brown. Wow. So here's the thing. Why are people, like, checking in under aliases?
1: Yeah, you wonder. I mean, they're getting away from something. They could have committed crimes. Didn't want people to find them. You know, trying to get away from something.
0: Yeah. Okay. February 11th, 1962. Julia Francis Moore, 50, jumped from the window of her eighth, eighth, floor room and landed in the, on the second story interior light well she didn't live a suicide note among her possessions were a bus ticket from st Louis for fifty nine cents um an Illinois bank book showing a balance of eighteen hundred dollars or around fifteen thousand um, dollars adjusted for inflation hmm so you wonder okay this girl had money back then because I would think fifteen grand in the Well, that's only in the 60s, but let's think about that still. It's a lot of money. That would be a lot of money, I would think. Mm -hmm. Okay, moving on. October 12th, 1962. Pauline Auton, 27, jumped from the window of her ninth floor room after an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey. He had left the room prior to... Otten's suicide, Otten landed on the pedestrian, George Gianni, 65, killing them both instantly. As there were no witnesses, police initially thought that Otten and Gianni committed suicide together. However, it was soon determined that Gianni had his hands in his pockets at the time of his death, and he was still wearing shoes. Had he jumped, his shoes would have likely been, like, fallen off on impact, and his hands would not have been in his pockets.
1: Yeah, that's the second one that I had heard of.
0: Okay, so you've heard of this one too.
1: Cuz yeah. It's like you got to, you know, can't just be walking and la la la, you know, something falling on you.
0: That's crazy. I can't even imagine. I've heard stories like if you drop like a like a penny or something on, off off of like the Empire State Building, it'll like do serious damage. Yeah.
1: Um Yeah. My boyfriend Nick said that well we would go to uh, downtown Chicago. And, you know, they had these big, huge, you know, Deco buildings and stuff like that. And he was like, you know, right there when it snows and there's icicles, they, there's signs right there. He goes, look at the signs. Don't walk close to the buildings because those icicles will come down and they'll kill you. Yeah. And I was like, so I, we, you know, we stepped away from the buildings and, you know, the ice melts, that's, what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. June 4th, 1964, a hotel worker discovered Pigeon Goldie Osgood, a retired telephone operator, dead in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, and beaten, and her room was ransacked. Osgood was well known around the area and earned the nickname because she fed birds in the nearby Pershing Square. Near her body was the Los Angeles Dodgers cap she always wore and a paper sack full of birdseed. Hours after her murder Jocket Jocks I think it's jock Jocket jocks I don't know uh-huh Ellinger twenty nine was seen walking through Pershing Square in blood-stained clothing. He was arrested and charged with Osgood's murder but was later cleared of the crime. The murder remains unsolved. that's crazy it is that's bizarre okay moving on. December 20th, 1975, a still unidentified woman, approximately 23 years old, jumped from her 12th floor window onto the Cecil's second floor roof. She had registered at the hotel on December 16th under the name Allison Lowell, and she was staying in room 327. Now there's suicide. I don't know why people jump. There's, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so now we're into the 80s. Okay, we all know, well, some of us know what happened in the 80s. In 1985, who began staying at the hotel? Can you guess?
1: The Night Stalker.
0: That's right. Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, began staying in the hotel in 1985. Now, in 1991, serial killer Jack... Unterweger becomes a resident now he was also a serial killer in like I think it was Sweden or Norway no yeah one of those I think it was one of those Mm -hmm. so I never heard of him so I had to look him up but he had killed several people in the United States okay on September 1st 1992 the body of an African American man was found in the alley behind the Cecil police said that he had either fallen or jumped or had been pushed from the hotel's 15th floor. Now, how did they figure out it's the 15th floor if he's just on the ground?
1: I have no idea.
0: No, I'm serious. Like, yeah. like you fall from the fifth floor, you're going to do serious damage. Like, how do they know it's the 15th floor? That's just my
1: question of the day. Yeah, well, hope day. that there might be cameras, you know, they might have seen something.
0: Yeah, but it was 1992. I don't know if they had cameras back then. They did.
1: They They just weren't as modern as they are now.
0: So, this was... He was between the ages of 20 and 30. And he's never been identified. I actually went on to the Doe Network. Do you know what the Doe Network is? Uh Uh-uh. So, the Doe Network is is a, a website that you can go to. And you can pick your state. Um, And then you can pick male or female. And then you can see people that have been unidentified, like unidentified that have no names or, you know, people that have never been claimed or Jane,
1: Jane Jane Dills and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So when I read this about this man, just not being identified, I, I don't know. I feel a strong, like connection to people that like, haven't been identified like that. This person, you know, he should be identified. So I went on to California's and I went into the, um, into the 1992 and it says here, September 1st. So I went to September 1st, 1992, and I saw a picture of this man. Um, and it's just sad that they don't know who it is still. You know what I mean?
1: Uh, It might be that he didn't have any family or the family had passed on and there was nobody else. I, I do have like a lot of people that i work with that don't have any family and the family they did have has, you know, totally, you know, written them off that they never would come forward. if anything happened, they've, you know, that they're pretty much dead to them. So I,
0: I just find that so sad, you know, it's really sad. Okay. So next one is the one we were talking about earlier. So this is the Elisa Lam case. Okay. So on February 19th, 2013, The naked body of Elisa Lamb, she was 21 years old, a Canadian student, was found inside one of the water supply tanks on the hotel roof. She had gone missing almost three weeks earlier, on January 31st, 2013. Her decomposing body was discovered by a maintenance worker in one of the rooftop water tanks, after guests had complained about the low water pressure and that the water tasted funny. Authorities later ruled... Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> Authorities later ruled that Lamb's death was an accidental, accidental drowning. And surveillance video footage taken from inside of the elevator shortly before her disappearance showed her acting very strangely. Um, she kept pushing, like, multiple elevator buttons. She was hiding in the corner of the elevator, waving her arms kind of wildly. She was causing widespread speculation about the cause of her death. After the elevator video was released, many theories arose about Lamb's death. She was reported to have had bipolar disorder for which she was prescribed various medications, which she, which could have contributed to her death as well as her strange behavior in the elevator. However, rumors persist that she died as a result of playing the elevator game, a paranormal urban legend that claims to take the player to another dimension. Okay.
1: Thoughts on Elisa Lamb. Oh wow. Um I watched that video, it was what, three minutes and fifty-nine seconds, almost four minutes. Um it it was bizarre. Whatever she I mean, me, if I didn't know, like I hadn't, you know, known anything else about the Cecil Hotel, whatever, I would think she was on drugs. But right. I know the said that they didn't find anything in her system. I mean, she was in there three weeks. Some of it could have went out of her system. Her blood was pretty much intact, I guess they said. And, you know, it hadn't, she hadn't bled out or anything. So they did find the medications she was prescribed. They did find like ibuprofen and like Sinutab in her, but they didn't see any like recreational drugs. So to me, bipolar hallucinations are not, very common she did have a low uh, like under 0.02 of alcohol in her very low but I think there was just you know there was something weird going on because she her behavior was like almost like she was you know seeing something that wasn't there and for a minute when she's in the hallway you think that she's kind of waving around like she's looking for someone or someone's kind of you know she's talking to someone and I wish that there was audio you know, back then they could have got some kind of audio. That would have been, I think that would have said it all. Um, mm-hmm. But the behavior. Because you would have
0: been able was, to tell if there was another person there or if it was right. just her like talking to herself.
1: Yeah. She's almost, it, it just, you know, I would imagine her, only her family would know she wasn't herself. And to me, it was just, it was strange and it was weird. Um, But right yeah, away. One, you know, uh-huh, go ahead.
0: Oh, oh, one thing that that I want to ask you about is like, so, when she's in this elevator, she's like pressing these buttons, she's like walking in each corner, she's just like being weird. But, um, did you notice on the video how she would press the buttons on the elevator, but the elevator wouldn't close?
1: Right, it was like stuck, and then all of a sudden, it just starts working on its own. I mean, you, right, can lock, you can lock elevators sometimes, you can lock them, you know. So there's ways to lock them. And of course, if she hit all the, you know, the buttons, maybe it was trying to like, what's going on here? You know, maybe she broke it. I don't know. It's been broken, but I don't know. It's just weird. Again, again, there's maybe possibly another force. And I had not heard of that game. I've never heard of
0: it. Oh yeah. It's, I guess it's a, it's a, it's like an uh, Asian game that you play that I don't, I don't understand it, but you press all these buttons. It's supposed to take you to another dimension, really weird but it's a big game in Asia
1: Hmm. well she obviously must have known about it because she was pressing all those buttons and that right there was just like what is she on that's what I was thinking to myself but then when she kind of like looked in the hall went in the corner like she was hiding uh, she was talking to something or someone
0: so. Now here's, here's the other thing. So I watched um, a ghost adventures on this particular case and they went to the Cecil hotel. They had the whole hotel to themselves. They went in the elevator. They went to her room. They went to the floor. She was on, they did all this stuff. But what was interesting is that there were two ways possible ways. She could have got to the roof. Okay. Cause here's the thing. She was on what floor was it? I forget. She was on Four- 14th floor. Yeah. She was like on the 14th floor. Okay. So the roof now in the, well, let me back up. When you're in the video, when you watch the video, she goes out towards the left. Okay. West. Now, yeah. If she went to the right, she could have also accessed the, accessed the roof that way, but going to the right would have gone up to a doorway right out to the roof. Okay, so she goes, she goes up, the, up a, st- a little uh, a stairwell, and then there's the doorway to this roof, okay? So she could have gone out that way. But on the doorway, there was a sign that says, Alarm, if you open the door, okay? But in the video, she goes to the left. Going to the left, she would have had to go through a window onto a fire escape and straight up. To the roof that way, which is pretty scary. Cause I saw the stairwell and I also saw the, the ladder. So the ladder, basically you look down, you fall backwards. You're, you're just going to die. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cause there's nothing like to catch you right there.
1: Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. I mean, there's, you know, one or two things she could have climbed up there. They had a, a police dog. I believe that had gone and, you know, they gave her the closest smell They were able to go to the room she was at. The dog was able to trace her. And then they lost the scent at the fire escape. So
0: okay. So, do you think she went to the fire escape enough?
1: Yeah, that's what the, the dog, you know, from what I could tell the dog, that's where the dog lost the scent. So I'm thinking it's a fire escape. But, you know, then again, if she was with some type of person that had access to that roof and, you know, the key and no alarm you know, went off, um, she could have been, you know, killed, but the, I know the toxicology, all that, they didn't really show any signs that they did a rape kit that she had been raped other than, you know, her, you know, behind had been prolapsed and blood was pulled around her anal area. Yeah. It had prolapsed. And sometimes that's common, you know, when you're in water for a long time that can Mm -hmm. happen, but they don't know. I mean, it could, they just ruled it out as, as an accidental drowning. So who knows, you know, there's so many speculations on what could have happened. I kind of think she went up the fire escape. Um, but you know, like anything else, if, if she were with another person, why was she pressing all the buttons? It's like, she wasn't running from anybody. Right. So there was just some bizarre behavior.
0: Um, and then going, okay, let's talk about the roof for a minute. So on top of this roof are these huge like water tanks. And I mean, there's like four of them. They're big. Okay. To get up to the top of these water tanks, you have to take a ladder up to the top. And then you have to lift the lid, which I think that they said was over 20 pounds. Right. Um, to lift this lid. Why would she just go in there? Like I think it- they were saying maintenance had said that two of
1: them were slightly open.
0: Yeah, my, yeah, the, the, which, well, I remember maintenance said that when they found her, it was open. So I don't know if they were oh. open when she got in. That's true. But mm-hmm. even if it wasn't open and she had to lift the lid, why would you get in it? Like, just a big old huge thing enclosed with water. Like, why would you do that?
1: And that's another thing, too. She, her clothes were found floating around separate from her body. She was naked. Right. So it's like, did you want to go for a a dip? They did
0: give the theory about, like, maybe if it was weighing you down, you would take them off. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So weird.
0: It is really, it's really weird. And then to be a guest. Let's talk about being a guest in the hotel. Being a guest and drinking the water and showering in the water.
1: brushing your teeth.
0: brushing your teeth in the water.
1: Three week old body in the water.
0: I cannot even now that's gonna I be cannot on, even imagine that. go somewhere. <laughs> and I say the water tastes funny.
1: Oh my gosh. That's gonna be on my mind anywhere I go.
0: Oh, seriously. And yeah. people call me a water snob. Yes, I am a water snob. I drink <laughs> bottled water. I do not drink tap water at all. Um but
1: <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, at some point you have to take a shower and you have to, you know, wash your face.
0: That's true, true. Yep. Okay, huh. so moving on. So there, there's one more that I have. Okay. On June 13th, 2015, the body of a 28-year-old man was found outside the hotel. Some people think he may have committed suicide by jumping from the hotel. Although a spokesperson for the county coroner informed the Los Angeles Times that the cause of death had not been determined. Hmm. So 2015 could be a suicide. He could have just been walking and fell over. Who knows? You know? Um, okay. So in 2013, and I don't know how much you, uh, you probably know a little bit about this. I think it was in the documentary, but in 2013, they rebranded half of the Cecil hotel and they rebranded it as the stay on Maine. Did you know that?
1: Yeah. I saw the sign. It had changed.
0: Yeah. So what they did is they basically have like one huge building, two entrances into the building. They made one entrance into the building the Stay on Main, and the other the Cecil. So when you walked into the Stay on Main, it was a completely different feel. Okay, they painted totally different. They got new furniture. They had a separate like check-in get like desk, mm-hmm. you know. Um. But where the where the stay on main and the Cecil intercepted was at the elevators. So the people who were living in the Cecil Hotel were allowed to stay there because the city had deemed it basically like residential. We can't take it away from the homeless people that, you know, are staying there. Mm-hmm. So they kept it. So you could be, like, checking into the stay on Main and having total, like, serial killer next to you up the elevator.
1: Forget that.
0: Right? So what they did is the second, I believe it was the second and third floor of the Cecil Hotel was residential. But those people could have just taken the elevator up to the stay on main up to the fifth floor, the sixth floor, the, you know, whatever
1: walk around. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Which I thought was really weird. But the, if you look on like reviews on like Yelp or Google or whatever, uh, the stay on Name actually had pretty good reviews. So yeah. like the rebranding did do something for it, you know, Right, but they they didn't have a lot of money, so they had to do small like small things like painting and like just fixing up things that were broken and that kind of thing.
1: Right, and I think it's going to attract the people that are you know trying to go somewhere and save money and just they don't care about where they're really staying. It's not luxury. Um, right. Would you go stay?
0: Um, I would if somebody would go with me, <laughs> and we can investigate.
1: It wouldn't be me- <laughs> Hell no.
0: so anyways but as of here's the thing as of 2017 the hotel closed um because it was purchased for a lot of money (laughs) to renovate the entire hotel
1: who bought it lady gaga
0: um no (laughs) it was some investor but um it's supposed to reopen at the end of 2021
1: yeah. I wouldn't want anything to do with that. So good luck to them. I know.
0: Right. Is, you know,
1: it's just, it's so weird. You see these, you know, these neat buildings in Los Angeles. And then, you know, if you look at all the surrounding areas, it's bad. It's a really bad mm-hmm. area. They get really seedy people over there. I mean, you can go to like some really nice restaurants, you know, on sunset and you can just drive, drive, drive. And then you see these nice hotels and theaters and stuff and, And all of a sudden, you just see all these just seedy people coming out. And I mean, just to go down that area, people think right away, Hollywood glamour. They think, you know, L.A., palm trees, you know, it is warmer weather. That's why a lot of homeless people are in the area. But if you think about it, I mean, no bad rap on L.A. This this is not your, you know, your glamorous city. It's, It's areas that are overpriced and people cannot afford things. And a lot of crime, a lot of, you know, people, just a lot of drugs, a lot of gangs, and it's just not a pretty area. And, and like, I think I might've mentioned you before, my, my father grew up in East Los Angeles and I told my dad, I go, thank you for getting out of there and bringing <laughs> yeah. money. Thank you. Because he, they had bars all over his high school, fences, gates. And I'm like, dad, you know, thank you. He goes, well, most people got out. Most smart people got out of the area. But what tripped me out is, you know, driving down the street and people had Mercedes BMWs, Rolls Royce, you know, just nice vehicles and their old, old house, these old beat up homes that were tiny and the streets are cracked and real together, you know, real close together. And then the projects are right nearby. And we, you know, saw LAPD with their they drun- their gun and their their guns had drawn, uh, you know, pointed at, you know, some house and and I was just so grateful. I said, dad, thank you for getting out of here and getting an education because I couldn't be, be, you know, imagine living in the area and I have some, cousins, mm-hmm. you know, in like Boy, Boy Heights and those areas over there that, you know, they know that these places are just, you know, they're very old and, you know, it's just, it's just a bad area. The homeless, um, you know, of course the, the areas over there are just, just ridden and it makes me think, you know, is it going to get better? It only got worse over time. You know, it's getting... No,
0: I don't think it's ever gotten better. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think it will from here on out.
1: Right. But I, I think, you know, the fascination of, you know, L.A. coming to, you know, I mean, what was it? In, in in the dates where all this started happening, 80% of all films were filmed in downtown. I mean, they were right there. The studios weren't far away. So it was, you know, Hollywood and the glamour. and People would go just to have a an experience. And... I would say go by all means, um, definitely be protected and don't go alone. So that Alyssa lady, Elisa, or whatever her name was, was alone and she was ill. And I can, you know, just imagine how sad that must be for her parents. And as far as the suicides, I think it kind of became not just a bad juju. I just think it kind of became kind of glamorized, you know, let's go commit suicide in Hollywood, LA, wherever, wherever let's go there. Um, you know, kind of make it, more infamous but uh, yeah
0: you're right because a lot of those people didn't live in LA a lot of them were visiting and that's where they chose to do it
1: and you know they heard stories you know they had that they had that they had heard stories. so I, I think when it all comes down to it wherever you go make sure you're checking your Yelp <laughs> check exactly Yelp. and it is the truth it is the truth I, I I mean I've done traveling you've done a lot of traveling those those reviews Are pretty accurate not all the time but they're pretty accurate because if you go and you're like okay i want four or five stars or whatever at least a rating four and above you're getting what you pay for as well and of course it's cheaper to stay during the week versus on the weekend but i mean the reviews have a lot to do with it they'll be like oh there's bed bugs or whatever you know um but some people don't care they'll just go and be like oh you know we're just gonna go on vacation and i'd be in the room and we're gonna go see the sites anyways um
0: well I do have I do have a little bit of experience about like not really LA but I it was my first time I went to New York City. So I didn't know where the good spots were, I didn't know where the bad spots were, that kind of thing. And I had my cousin um she chose the hotel and I was asking her, I was like, So how much money are we gonna be out for the hotel? And she's like oh it's a really good price. She's like, It's like it's like $50 a night. And I was thinking, in New York? Like, yeah, that can't be right, Yeah, you got to right? be a little bit
1: of a job. <laughs> save a little bit more money, you know?
0: And so I was like, okay. I was like, that sounds good, you know? <laughs> and we get to this hotel. And this hotel was called... it's It just... It, or it closed. So I'm just going to, you know, rat it out. But it was called the Riverside Studios. Okay. And it was in not too bad of an area but it was like I knew there was going to be an issue when we went to the desk and we got our key and they handed us a real key like a long key you know those long like skeleton keys yeah because I was like okay I've never actually used one of these (laughs) like I've always had like a card you know or something like that in a hotel a little creepy (laughs) <laughs> right and so we, we get in the elevator and I was getting shocked minute after minute so we get in this elevator and it was the elevator where you get in and you have to close the the door gate, wiry do- gate. Yeah. yeah so I'm like okay this is must be the New York experience I don't know <laughs> okay so we go up to the room we walk in and it's just one bed Now all the, all there is was, it was just a room and there was one bed and it was like a queen size bed and it had a nightstand next to it. And I was like, okay. I was like, um, I gotta go to the bathroom. I was like, where's the bathroom? And I had to, I went out to the hall and I was like, um, I was like, where is the bathroom? And somebody goes, oh, it's down there. And it was a communal bathroom.
1: Oh, no way. No, thank you.
0: Exactly. And I was like, uh. <laughs> and it was gross and disgusting. Mm. And I walked back to the I walked back to the room and I said, are you a little bit scared about this place? And she's like, yeah, she's like, I don't even want to sleep with the lights off because I'm afraid that things are going to come out and like, you know, eat us. <laughs> so, so we stayed that one night with the lights on. And the next day we checked out. So we had reserved this place for a week. So we were like, nope, we're done.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Wow.
0: And so I, I guess for those people that are like going to LA, they want to visit and that kind of thing, if you don't know that the downtown area is, is really shady, then you're not going to really know because the pictures, if you look, stay on Main, look pretty good. But there's a lot of things that had happened at that hotel. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's just, yeah. And I think people are, you know, seeking, you know, fortune, fame, um, you know, hoping to run into a movie star. And it's just, it's so funny because you, I mean, you have experience in, in, you know, um, going out and, you know, being involved with the whole biz, they call it, you know, and mm-hmm. playing in different movies and stuff. So I think, you know, to, to even go and, and, and you're like, okay, I want to go be an extra and they're have the signs up or the little ads out in the paper or whatever. Um, I didn't know that in LA they're always doing construction. And I noticed the signs they're like, okay, we're gonna be doing here. They have the signs uh where they're gonna be filming. And I never s- spotted them until a friend had told me, Hey, I've been a lot of extras and in, in movies, and this is where you go, this is where you go tape. They're they're taping here today, or they're closing this off today to tape this movie. Um it's all over the place. So it's super interesting, but you know, you're passing by people every day that are, you know, in the biz. And it's just so interesting that you're in hopes to, you know, run across somebody. And I, I think you're probably one of the, the, the most people that I know have that have experienced that. Um, and one of my friends, Greg, um, you know, has have met a lot of movie stars. And it was so funny because I had been there probably about four or five years ago with uh, my now my now boyfriend. And we were in a brand new Corvette. And we were driving up and down the strip. And there's prostitutes, there's all kinds of people. And I was just kind of like, it was just yucky. I don't know, like I didn't have, it was nice cruising. People were looking at us like, who are you? You know, in this nice convertible. But, you know, I was like, I told my well, maybe you, you, you know, they think you're like a movie producer or something, <laughs> you know, because you <laughs> know. So so um, because it was funny how we got treated we, when we would park in valet, how, you know, the valet, they just treated us completely different because of the vehicle we had. And if you were in a Porsche or, you know, any kind of convertible, you know, fancy, you know, typical car, you got treated completely different. But I told my sister, go drive by the the CISO Hotel, go drive by the the um, Roosevelt Hotel, go drive down the whole area. So we just drove all over. But my our best drive, of course, was on the one because that was actually like scenery of the coast and, you know, up through Malibu Canyon and stuff. And I think that's when um, around the time where he, we had actually seen honor Schwarzenegger on his bike. And um, he was riding with his manager, and and my boyfriend was like, "That's not him." And I'm like, "It is him because watch when he pulled up, all these people started pulling out their cameras, taking pictures of him." And <laughs> then we were on the Malibu Canyon, and I was driving the first time the the convertible, and just the power the car had had. I was going 100 miles an hour. It was such a thrill. I was like scared at first, and I was just going. We got up to a stoplight, and I swear this it must have been Morgan Freeman's twin. Um, he was a nice Jaguar. He pulls up to us next to us and he says, Hey, slow down. There's police up the Canyon right ahead. They'll, they'll pull you over. And so I was like, Oh, thank you. Cause I was like, why is this guy waving me down? I was like, Oh my gosh, Morgan Freeman. It was either him or his twin. So here we're all star starstruck, but, um, yeah, so that was an experience, you know, definitely. But, um, you know, the further you go out, the better it is, but downtown LA stay away if you can.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The other person that I forgot to mention, um, who frequented frequented the Cecil, was um, Elizabeth Short, the Liz- Black Dahlia. Oh yeah, yeah. She was seen taking
1: a drink or having a drink there. Uh, was it a couple days before she died, or a couple? Yep,
0: right before she died. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I believe she played on the. They had a clip of her on the American Horror Story, um, that she came into the hotel having a drink, in the in the bar. Yep. But yeah, that was a that was a creepy, creepy uh, depiction in the. I mean, it's all bizarre in the. Uh, you know the the Netflix series, uh, American Horror Story. But yeah, that one was. I
0: can't watch it. I'm I'm yeah. afraid it'll like freak me out so much. And I'm really cool with like stuff like that. But like, I don't know that some... one. I just feel like I should stay away from it.
1: Yeah, some of them are twisted, and I'm I just lose interest. That one was mm-hmm. really, very good. It was. I thought that one was pretty good. Um, just because it had a lot to do with, you know, what happened at the Cecil and stuff, but, um, super interesting. Um, some of them are just like a train wreck and you start watching it and you can't take your eyes off of it. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So, but yeah, to each its own, that's my guilty pleasure. Um, I couldn't get into a few others, but apocalypse was good, but, um, yeah, so interesting. Um, this was a good topic. Definitely. I learned something new.
0: Yep. And maybe one of these days I'll drag you out there. Oh, um, hey,
1: no. you're going to have to call someone else. Anybody? Else? Just,
0: to, just to visit it. Not to, All like, right. you know, stay I'll there. But the, I think we could.
1: I'll go into yeah. the lobby.
0: What about the roof?
1: No. i won't the, go to the roof. I'll go into the lobby. That's it. No more. Do not yeah. ask. Go. No.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we'll let you go. But uh, thanks for joining us. And um, if you don't know, we just started a blog. Um, and I think I put that on our Facebook. So if you're interested in looking at that, um, we post all of our, we'll start posting our cases on there that we go over in our topics and that's it. All righty. Okay. We'll see you next. The pod project is a small fire production. So find us on Facebook at the pod project 20 or on Instagram at the pod project.